Hey everybody, before we start the show today, I am very excited and proud to announce that Crypto 101 Podcast has been nominated for the Crypto Influencer Award of 2018 for Best Crypto Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. But please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. There's a pop-up there. Vote for us so we can win the Best Crypto Podcast. Thanks again and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and I am always looking for new use cases for blockchain technology. And in this quest, I stumbled on Adapt 2030. It's a YouTube channel by David Dubine. And in this channel, David talks about global warming, global cooling, agriculture, food prices, and as icing on top of that cake, how blockchain technology is going to be involved with those changes in the future. I'm very excited to talk about this with David, and I'm very excited to share this with you. But before we get into that conversation, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. That's Crypto101Podcast.com. There's a pop-up there. Vote for us for best crypto podcast. We would appreciate it. Also, if you want to get involved with Crypto 101 in our groups, there's Facebook links, Twitter links, Instagram links. Please join those groups and get involved. Send us an email. Say what's up. Also, if you like our content, think about becoming a patron. The patrons support us. They help us out to make this podcast become a reality from week to week. And we appreciate that. And finally, if you're not subscribed to iTunes, please subscribe to iTunes. Click that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and a comment. It helps us a lot. If you know others that like listening to this show and are not subscribed to iTunes, please, again, ask them to subscribe. It helps us out. It helps us keep on top of charts. So we're visible for everybody. Well, without further ado, here's David Dubine of Adapt 2030 talking about global cooling and the blockchain. And we'll see you after the show. David Dubine, how you doing? And welcome to Crypto 101. Glad to be here. I know we're going to have an incredible conversation, mixing and blending in an entire industry that's not normally talked about when we think about crypto. Man, I'm really happy you brought that up because the industries that we're going to mix and blend into crypto is agriculture, food, grain, the supply chain. We're also going to touch a little bit about global warming, global cooling, and wait, which one is going on right now? Is it global warming or global cooling? I don't know which one's going on right now because you say global cooling, but I hear global warming from the media. So we're going to figure that out. Yeah, that's a touchy subject anyway when we really get into it. You know, the global warming they talk about since the 1880s in the ramp up of temperatures. But you have to realize that has turned into a downward pattern, especially in the last three years. Nobody likes to talk about that because the models are broken and all the money they're trying to bring in with the global taxes from the IPCC and the carbon tax, carbon credit schemes are just not going to work because we're cooling. So how do you sell something that's the opposite of what they're trying to sell you? This is why it gets into really kind of a touchy situation, especially when you bring up grain price increases, the fingerprints of the grain solar minimum when we see these 400 year cycles in the sun the effects on the society of downturning economy because people spend more on food than they do in the disposable consumer economy there's more mobility there's a lot of population migration and then just food prices and crop yields across the planet are decreasing as we're seeing right now with these delayed planting i guarantee you without a doubt i go on the record and say your food prices are going to go up 40 percent by the end of the year at the minimum well i am intrigued so you just said a mouthful for everybody Let's start by telling everyone who you are, and we'll go from there. All right, David Dubine. I was a global warming believer myself, so heavily that I started the website oilsfeedcrops.org. What I was trying to do was push food first, fuels second, because right now when we produce biofuels, we waste all the food just to get the oil. But we have to remember, this is 2006, 2007, and I was putting it out as a plantation style. And I, I've even kept that segment of my website up where there were different substitutes to using corn and other things that could have nutrition value where we would get the food first and then we would process the seeds or the, the leftovers, the husks, the hulls, whatever that would have been to process the oils at that time. 
I was very distinct, very fervent that we needed not to waste food. I spent the time to put up that site because I believed in global warming so much. I believed that we needed to change the way we produced fuels. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up being a coffee buyer in the Shan state of Myanmar, otherwise known as Burma. And when we visited those coffee farms, plantations, whatever you refer to them as in your lexicon, they were telling us about cold weather crop losses. And you have to remember, I went down there, started going there in 2012. They were talking about cold weather crop losses for the last couple of years happening where they were losing plantings in the fields. That's what brought me into even searching for. We were doing an allocation for supply forecast. So I was figuring, are they going to have more cold weather losses in the fields? And then if they do, how much extra do they need to plant? Can we range that? What's the yield going to be? What about the bean density? All these types of things. And sure enough, I stumbled into John Casey's work. And then it was game on. Grand solar minimum, I did not know these cycles in the sun are on 400-year periodicity, and I found it, and that's the reason we're talking today. And that's a mouthful too, you know? So we could talk about cycles in the sun, et cetera. There is definitely a mouthful right there. But a couple things I want to ask you, and I want you to define before we go on a little bit further. What is a cold weather crop loss, and who is John Casey? Cold weather crop losses are when the temperatures are below normal and then it has some adverse effect to the crops. And it could be anything from coffee to corn to wheat. This will burn the leaves, damage them. It will have some effect on the coffee, specifically the bean density. Because if the water was inside the bean and it froze, well, that would leave a space, but the bean would continue to grow. But where the water was an ice cube, literally a tiny little microscopic ice cube inside that bean, it left the impression. So the bean density was not there. And you'll start to see the same with corn and wheat. Anytime cold affects the yield, this is what we would talk about, cold weather losses, reducing of the yield. You know, I, I felt kind of stupid asking that question. I was like, oh, yeah, it gets cold and then the things die. And then it, but no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know the little water gets no. inside the bean and then the actual density of the bean is measured. I'm so glad you brought that up because things just don't die all the time. They'll be near death and then they'll come back. But when they grow back after cold weather blizzards and extreme cold that was out of season, they will have nowhere near the maturity in the heads of wheat, perhaps, or the ears of corn or the beans on the coffee trees. But that's how the the yields get reduced is because when they do try to grow back up, they'll grow half the size. The, the heads will be half the size. And then when you come through an acre and harvest, everything's half down, mm-hmm. 50% down and the protein quality and all these other adverse effects when it gets too cold. Now, when it gets too hot, they deal with it much better than cold. Cold's detrimental to crops. Mm -hmm. Heat is actually good. Interesting. Okay, now, who's John Casey? John Casey is a former NASA space advisor. He was the lead when the, do you remember when the space shuttle exploded in the sky? Challenger? Yeah, do you remember that? I don't know how many are listening that even remember that or that old because, you know, crypto is kind of a, a new tech thing where a lot of younger generations inside it. But the space shuttle exploded in the sky. And I don't know if anybody remembers this, but he was the lead investigator for NASA on this. Okay. He is an astro. Yeah. And he follows cycles in the sun. His background and depth of knowledge of really the intricate workings of the electromagnetism and how our sun goes through phases, higher output and lower activity. And then he's written several books on it. One of them is called Dark Winter. And the other one is called Upheaval. And they connect earthquakes and volcanic activity to cycles in our sun. So he he and I started to converse. Yeah. So he was the investigator. So he's the one that found the faulty O-ring. Among others, yes. He was the lead on this. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I think I was, when was this, 1986? I mean, that was... Yeah, it was way back. That, that's why I say how many people remember, because a lot of people listening to this weren't even born at that time. I was seven years old. How old were you? Uh, I was just in middle school. I'm just a little bit older than you, but I do remember that day when the principal came on and said, hey, there was just an explosion and we turned on all the TVs and everybody was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. it was supposed to be the most high tech, most advanced rocket system on the planet and it just blew up. What happened? You right. know, so one of those days. Right. Yes. They rolled the TV into the classroom as well for us. <laughs> yeah. You see, we're kind of on the same page on that. Exactly. So he exactly. does have some pedigree of being able to be at the high levels within NASA and understanding cycles of the sun along with the astrophysicists. Right on. And you also have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Is that that correct? I do. If you're looking for more information about what we're going to talk about, you can go to Adapt 2030. And I really named the channel because we must adapt our food growing strategies, whether it be bringing agriculture indoor or moving our grow zones to different areas on the planet where the weather will be more conducive for the crops to grow. And this all has to occur by 2030 or well before that, actually. So I named the channel Adapt 2030. And it's all about the mini ice age and the grand solar minimum. So the podcast is mini ice age conversations because we really (laughs) need to have these conversations. Well, that's no joke. We really need to start talking about this. So 
one thing that you sent me, and look, I, I, I'm going to just tell the audience right now, I think they all know that Matthew knows nothing about weather. And so what you did is you sent me about a 100-page PDF. I don't know exactly how many pages it was, maybe a little less, a little more, of all kinds of data on, well, all kinds of things. If it was, you know, solar flares and solar cycles and rain and everything. Well, let's start with just that, solar cycles. One thing that you wanted to tell me about was the solar cycles and how that affects the weather, how that affects the climate. Could you just tell us a little bit about that, and then we can go into global warming, global cooling, and how that affects the food, and then maybe solutions on the blockchain? Yeah, sure. I, I do want to take baby steps here because many of you listening right now will not even have you grand solar what? So let's start at the very basic. It's called a grand solar minimum, as in the 11-year solar cycle that we're coming into right now that you'll see all across the news about the solar minimum, this happens on an 11-year cycle. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes back up and the poles flip again, it's a 22-year round trip from south to north, north to south on the sun. Okay, you, know, you, so you already a, lost me. What does grand solar minimum mean? Okay, so let's start. It's 11-year cycle. We need babier steps. You, have, you still are yeah, like a okay, toddler here running around. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all familiar with the 11-year solar cycle. We see this across the news feeds right now. We're coming into this bottom of the solar cycle, and you're going to start to see this more in the news. That's an 11-year cycle. The grand solar minimum comes on 400-year cycles on the heavier, and then 207 years, as according to John Casey, on what's considered a lighter grand solar minimum. Now you have to realize when we talk about a 207 year pattern in these maximums and minimums, like we do this 11 year that we're seeing in the news right now, mm-hmm. these will drop global temperatures about one to one and a half degrees Celsius is the 207 year light grand solar minimum, like a light versus a heavy. Well, I believe we are coming and almost everybody believes we're coming into a much heavier, more powerful cycle at the very minimum 400 years, which means at the very minimum, global temperatures are going to be dropping about two to two and a half degrees Celsius. For, starting for how now, long? Uh, it should last through about 2030. And when we come out, the, the sun should start being more active again. And we'll start ramping up to, into something that we've seen more like today's uh, activity. Okay. And what is causing that? Is it, what is it, the magnetic poles or? It is. It's electromagnetism. Okay. Now in the sun, it has a magnetic field just like on the earth. And once you understand the magnetic coupling effect, you'll understand why the jet streams are going out of their normal patterns. So inside the sun, there's a north magnetic pole and a south magnetic pole, just like our own on the earth. We have the north pole and the south pole, right? But the sun flips every 22 years. So the north pole where it is now, the north magnetic pole of the sun will turn and be in the south coming up in a couple solar cycles. It mm. flips like this. That's how we know what solar cycles are. Okay. The Earth also yeah, flips, so, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's on a much, much longer cycle. Although magnetically, our poles are wandering at the moment, but this magnetic pole shift you're talking about happens, what, every 700,000 years or something? But okay. on the sun, it happens every 22. Oh, that's crazy. Things, the more you know. All right. So we're going into a cold cycle, and the cold cycle is going to last until 2030. And you said it's going to drop to around one and a half to two degrees Celsius globally. But now we're talking about global warming is caused by man-made CO2 emissions. And now you're saying the sun is getting, or we're going to get more less sunlight. Isn't everything just going to even out? No, and the amount of sunlight that you're talking about is called total solar irradiance, TSI for short. So you hear the news talk about TSI. This is the thing the media loves to focus on, TSI. Now you have to realize the amount of sunlight coming out that we get and we measure on our solar panels right now is about 1,363 or 1,362 watts per square meter. But during the grand solar minimums, they find that it only drops about three to maybe four watts per square meter. You gotta realize that's such a minuscule drop that really the sunlight's not affected as you're talking about, but the amount of ultraviolet radiation is much higher. This has an effect on our crops as well. The UV is much stronger. So if you go out in the sun and you realize you're getting sunburnt more quickly, this is one of the reasons that it's happening. UV is always up around 12, 13, 14 now. You know, when I was a, how, what was a UV like when you were a kid? I was, it was always around eight and you get put on sunscreen. Oh, I have no clue, man. <laughs> <laughs> now it's routinely 12, 15, and they're even getting 20s in the summer. That's ridiculous. That's more than double than I, when I was younger. Oh, wow, okay. There's definitely changes, yeah. Okay, so then again, going back to my original question, more CO2 in the air, but you say it's cooling. I still don't understand the connection between the sun, the cooling, the air. Who's winning? The men that are putting CO2 in there or the sun that's doing the warming thing or the cooling thing? Well, it depends on 
really how much of an effect CO2 has on our atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Now, perhaps it doesn't have the full driving and pushing and effect that everybody says to the IPCC. What if it's very limited in the effect and the sun has actually much more of an effect? You got to realize that that sun is a million times larger than the earth and it's only 92 million miles from us. Mm -hmm. That is the largest thing in the solar system that connects to us electromagnetically that affects our magnetism, shall we say, on our planet that gives us that north and south pole. Now, when that sun decreases in its activity state, our magnetic field around the earth decreases. Mm -hmm. And this is what allows those jet streams to go in different ways. And this is why we're getting all the record heat and the record cold, because the jet streams are moving because they can, because the magnetosphere, which is that magnetic field that's either tight or it's loose. Mm -hmm. And we're going into a really loose phase because our sun's going into a 400-year, really decreased state. So we match what the sun's doing on our Earth. So the jet streams are going to get wilder. You've seen nothing at nothing in terms of what's going to happen with the weather. Jet streams moving. We're going to get blasting heat in the middle of the winter, and we'll get freezing in the middle of summer. You're going to get these out-of-season things that make no sense. And it's going to be more uh, profound and pronounced as we move forward into 2021. That's interesting that you said that. You said the weather is going to get wilder. So let's just say five years from now, we get bigger hurricanes. We get crazier weather, you know, bigger snowstorms in New York City or what have you. And the news is going to say global warming. You're saying global cooling. You're going to say it's the sun. They're going to say it's CO2 man-made. What would you tell somebody that said, well, I just saw it on the news. It was global warming. How would you defend that? Well, I would say look at the ice core data that the IPCC always refers to as showing temperature warming. But go back through the last 2,000 years and look at the temperature increases and the temperature decreases. It's up as much as two or three degrees Celsius when there were no factories, no cars driving around naturally. Go back to the year 1000 AD when it was warmer than today's temperatures. Mm. Go look at these different spikes in heat. And then here's the next thing. When it comes down in temperature and it drops in cooling, match those time frames with what happened in the cultures around the planet. The collapse of the Chinese dynasties, the collapse of the Incan Empire, the collapse of kings and queens in the war starting through Europe, the, the crop losses that were pervasive every single time one of these grand solar minimums comes along. It's always about the food, the population migration, and the economy. I hate to keep talking about global warming and global cooling, but I hear what I hear from the media. I hear what I hear from Neil deGrasse Tyson. He read Cosmos that used to be Carl Sagan's and revamped it for the modern times, and he had a two-part episode about global warming. Neil deGrasse Tyson says global warming. David Dubine says global cooling. How do we know which one is which? And then I'm still trying to figure out because I want something solid. Even though you said yes, we look at the temperatures, and then Neil's going to say, look at the temperatures. And you're going to say, look at the ice cores. Neil's going to say, look at the ice cores. How do we know who to, which one to believe? And I'm asking this question because once we get into blockchain and once we get into the companies that are setting this up, that we're going to talk about the food and the effects of the food and the price and the quality, we're going to talk about investment. We're going to talk about looking into those companies as a solution to these issues. Correct? And I have a simple answer for you. Mm -hmm. What year was that Neil deGrasse Tyson episode, two-part episode filmed? What Shit, year was that? Man, maybe three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, three years or four years ago. Look what's changed in the three or four years. I'm talking about today's data, not four years ago. And the movement from the point at where it was warming, and I will agree it had warmed up to that point, but I say we hit the tipping point and we reversed that and we are absolutely going into the cooling phase. All right, when we so, match all these temperatures, yeah, these sets of data that are coming out, please, I beg you, try to debunk what I'm saying. It's your job to go out and do the research on this. The listener, don't take my word for it. You need to do your own research and compare what's happening today with what happened three or four years ago, and you will see a distinct change in temperatures, the amount of storms, where the jet streams are, and all these things that we're talking about. Record snows across the planet, record cold across the planet, all starting intensifying this year alone. This is a massive year. This is really the year that people should be starting to wake up and say, well, what we learned in the last few years was then. Things are always morphing and changing. Well, we're just entering a new paradigm, if you will, on the Earth's climate. It's going to go back to warm again. I assure you, it's absolutely going to come out of this cool around 2030 and go right back up to warm again. And then what will we have said then? The persons who put out all those reports four years ago when we start warming again, look back and say, well, you said it's cooling, but it's warming. And I'll say, well, I know, I understand. It's changed. So it is warming again. Hmm. Okay. So what are we predicting for the food then? This is all going down to food, crops, agriculture, grain. What, do you, what are we thinking about the food prices if this is global cooling? You said that we're expecting 40% increases in food prices. 
by the end of this year, and then it's going to continue upward from there. That's why I think blockchain will be so heavily involved with securing either the purchase of, you know, 60,000 tons of wheat on a ship going across the ocean, you need to guarantee payment. And just moving forward, everything food-wise is going to get so expensive that I firmly believe food will be the most expensive, most valuable commodity on the planet, so not oil. So you said yields are going to decrease. What else is going to happen mm -hmm. just besides yields? Uh, people will start moving and the economy will start to take a hit. Let's do a little microcosm of what could happen and how, I mean, many people listening, you understand 2008 and 2009, what happened with the subprime crisis. Mm -hmm. So many of you listening lived through that at the moment. Mm -hmm. what, what happened when people shifted their spending habits because gasoline or diesel fuel became, what, five, six dollars U.S. a gallon in the United States? It was much higher in Europe and Asia. It was seven, eight dollars, nine dollars a gallon. Right. How did people's spending habits shift? Is that a question for me? That's, well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm hoping everybody's thinking themselves, like, how did it shift? How did you shift your spending? Restaurants went out of business. There was a lot less people going to movies. There was downturn, especially in consumer electronics purchasing. Right. Car sales were down. Everything was down because people shifted. They had to put all that money into fuel so they could continue to drive and go to work. Right. Even the car auto industry started designing cars that were more fuel efficient to hopefully catch up and keep those sales up. Right. But that's that's fuel. That's so simple. You and I, right. Matthew, we can carpool together. If our fuel price doubles, probably four of us can jump in the same car and save fuel. That'd be real easy. We could. There were so many things that, that people started to ride more bicycles. People started to travel internally in the United States instead of taking international trips. We can shift the way we do our daily behavior if fuel prices are expensive to take care of that and you know think of more efficient ways to save money on transportation. But you cannot stop eating to save money. That's just an impossibility. So when we go into something that's such a necessity for life compared to something that is more disposable that can have workarounds such as higher fuel prices. This is our gargantuan difference of what's going to happen with the economy moving forward. So one thing you did touch on is carpooling is we could carpool. We're both in Taiwan. Mm hmm. I'll take the HSR down there, pick you up on the back of the scooter and we'll go ride and chew and bin long. <laughs> we'll be hunting for the for the weekend. Done. Yeah. We could, we could do an on-the-road podcast live oh, that, in the car. That'd be great. YouTube live. We'll stream live. Everybody would love it. So with the food prices, also the quality would go down. Is this correct? Yeah, that's correct. You know, you touched on that first when we started talking. You know, what is the cold weather damage? Take a look at the, they call it the wheat tour in Kansas or the wheat tour in Oklahoma. This is for U.S. They're finding that 65% of the wheat out there is poor or very poor quality, which means that the protein content's not there. And that means right now, for those of you that are following at all, there's a dollar and a half premium per bushel on anything with nice quality that could be used for Miller's wheat or for baking. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So what is what is the quality? Where does the quality come from? Are they just producing so much wheat that they don't give a shit because they just want to make, you know, Wonder Bread or whatever? Or is it actually having to something to do with the weather and the climate? That's it. You know, when they try to produce this wheat, the better the quality, the higher price that the, the farmers will get. So they're just producing Especially with the hard rain or wet. Yeah, there, it's just... The cold has an effect on what the nutrient uptake and what the plants can actually produce as their heads in the output. Mm -hmm. So the grain within the head also is smaller. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about wheat specifically because that's what I focus on because wheat is showing and barley is showing and oats are showing, specifically heavy number one oats. If you're going to be doing futures trading, future heavy number one because that's the most susceptible to climate change in any way, shape or form, either hot or cold. Oats are hugely affected by small minute temperature changes and they're just really behind in planting. Some areas should be at 30 40, 50% planting, they're still at zero in Minnesota and North Dakota and places like this. The planting is so far behind. And you gotta realize wet, cold soils coming up, the, the protein and whatever comes out as the yield of that, it could be even fruit. It's, it's just not the same sugar content, it's just not the same size, and just there's so many effects that reduce the amount of food and the quality we get when it goes cold. Okay, so I think we set the stage. We set the stage for climate, global cooling, we set the stage for food prices, quality, economics, the economy, and the average person's life. So what we what we said here is we said the food prices are going to go up. You said it's going to be 40% by the end of the year, double by 2019. And I'm saying that because you wrote notes for me <laughs> and five times by 2021. We also said that the food quality is going to get worse and worse. So less protein in your in your weeds. People are going to eat wheat but not get what they need out of it. So they're just not going to have enough energy. They're not going to have enough nutrition. They're just not going to have a good quality of life. And once this changes, people's spending habits are going to change. People are going to have to spend more money on food. That means they're, they're going to be less going out, going to movies, going, you know, road trips. 
buying electronics, whatever it is, iPhones. So now since we set the stage, the blockchain is introduced. What is the blockchain going to do to help this? Can it? Yes, it can. And that's my whole focus as well as how these two industries integrate on top of each other moving forward. And when you mentioned 2021, I'm going to say at the end of 2021, when we come into that harvest season, the world's going to absolutely wake up because the price of the food is going to jump exponentially from what it did in 2020. And the interesting thing with the timeline going forward, so let me tell you the timeline. And that PDF that you mentioned, if anybody does send me an email, which we'll leave in the description box below here on the uh, podcast, if you send me an email, I will send you that same PDF so you can get the information. That's what I send to my Patreon subscribers. That's what I send to people who follow me on YouTube that talk more deeply with me. I'll give them those because I'm always doing this type of research. Mm -hmm. So those PDFs are freely shareable. But the timeline that I put in there is at the end of this year, we're going to get 50%, 40% food price rises. The yields are going to be far less. There's going to be earlier cold and snowstorms coming in, and the world will just be like, whoa, that's strange. But then there'll be larger companies coming out saying, well, that's great. We introduced these GMOCs to take care of you know, colder weather climates, and we're still going to try to battle these yield problems next year. Don't even worry about it. We got you covered. But then those harvest season in 2020, uh, hit or miss. But when we come into 2021, this is really, really when it shows astrophysicists pinging this year as well. And it's just so interesting how in 2021, the adoption of cryptocurrency should, should be somewhere around 80% plus as we move forward going to try to get this global adoption. I really believe this year we're going to be somewhere above 10% global adoption when we get into this wave 2.0. That's just, I believe, starting right now. Mm -hmm. The ramp up you know, we talked to people since uh, I was involved with an ICO. We still communicate with those at the CME. They are saying all the way through August it's going to run up, and they're looking at $40,000 Bitcoin prices at the minimum. But then they're looking at a 60% pullback as well. Mm -hmm. That'll be the end of wave two. And then we got wave three and wave four in these next successive years. But they were talking about trying to get the global uptake, the global utilization above 80%, and then they can start to roll in. And actually what we're talking about here uses for crops and uh, grain deliveries. All right, let's, let's touch on that. Let's talk, talk about some of the things that they can do with crops and what companies may be looking at this already in terms of logistics, payments, maybe climate data. School us on this, sir. We're, we're learning as we go. You know, I, every day I'm learning something new, so I don't have all the answers because every single day I'm learning something new that could be out of date from yesterday because new information came. And I'm always like this when I do my studying. But these companies that are involved currently, you have to think about the barge traffic going down the Mississippi River and when it's consolidated down in Louisiana, loaded on ships for export, say, to China. And I don't know how many have done business in China, but one of their main things is the letter of credit, they'll issue it, it'll be issued, and then when it, the ship arrives at port, they'll say, no, we refuse the delivery. Hmm. And then your ship's sitting out there burning $25,000 a day just to keep it anchored. If it's refrigerated, it's even worse. It happens all the time. But you got to pay your crew. Yeah, but then you're going to have to renegotiate that. Yep. So with the smart contract, this alleviates any of this shenanigans going on in, in global shipping. And as food gets more expensive, there's going to be more uh, shadiness, shall we say, in a polite way, going mm -hmm. on globally for these international shipments. So locking it into a smart contract, if you default and you decide to push the uh, shipment back, I still collect on that and I still keep both. I get to keep the grain and the whatever crypto we decided on payment for. Right. If you accepted it, that's great. It still executes in the field there. And when we still get paid or I get paid on my end, the shipper gets paid, the logistics company gets paid. And there could be separate contracts going down each step of delivery from, let's say, the grain silos. Maybe they need to process something. Well, that all can be paid for as well using systems moving forward. But it's in its infancy right now. So when you're asking about all these companies, I don't have all those answers, but I actually see that the industries that are going to use it and that are rolling out right now, and you see all of these companies, Ethereum Alliance, how many of those themselves have subsidiaries that are in the grain industry? Almost mm -hmm. every one of them. Specifically, when we come to Procter & Gamble and we get into some of the like Sargenta seeds and we get into some of these larger kind of companies, they all have arms going into the food business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I like that because, look, we don't know the names. We don't know what companies are going to come out and say, this is what we're going to do. Or if any companies are actually focusing on food. There's, there's plenty of logistics companies on the blockchain right now. Um, and actually, a couple have been uh, on the, the show. So I think that's very interesting that, of course, we can't name the companies, but there are going to be companies coming out to deal with this. So it's more B2B. And I think that what a lot of people are looking at right now is Everybody's saying mass adoption, mass adoption. And something I've been always saying too is, when are we gonna get the wallet so people can go buy bread at the grocery store? 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When are we going to be able to buy tickets at the movie theater? When can I buy a Coca-Cola with Bitcoin? And, you know, we want the tools to be able to do that. But one thing that you're saying, and I think that people have to start looking into is, these bigger macro economies that are going to be fueled by the blockchain as well and what companies that might be coming out looking to deal with these issues of like you said the cargo ship stuck at the ports in shanghai and you can't get your stuff out because of bs because of logistics because of red tape because of red tape that maybe just started halfway on the journey over and then you get to shanghai shit changed I think this is going to bring people to a more honest way of business as well. And also, so many companies are going out already logistically. I mean, just think about the savings of having to send these letter packs all around the world that have to arrive before your shipment arrives. I mean, how many DHL or you know, UPS packs are running around the planet per day just trying to get goods in through a customs clearing agent because they need that actual solid paperwork in their hand. But if you're loading it in on the blockchain, it can't be manipulated or data can't be changed on that. And eventually when we get readers where, you know, customs officials or if you're coming in as a customs broker, you could somehow find that and just load it into a reader and be able to scan all the documents themselves. There's a lot of work going in with this, right? There's so much development in this right now, specifically international shipping trade and uh, yeah, that whole logistics chain. So if you're going to try to predict the future, with crypto, blockchain, and agriculture, and the food industry, just like, you know, grains and wheats and barleys and, and rice and what have you, what would you tell the investor to look for in the upcoming future of blockchain companies or tokens to say, hey, I think they're going to be doing that because prices are rising and this is something I got to pay attention to? What would be the, the, the touch points for a company that's going to start looking at this on the blockchain? We first have to see who's trading amongst themselves. You know, the Ethereum Alliance also includes some foreign companies inside there. And we want to take a look at which foreign companies are coming. And let's talk about China specifically. You know, they forbid all the ICOs and they made the exchanges pretty much move offshore to Vanuatu and other nations. Fine. But internally, the structure they're setting up in the quantum satellite network to be able to deliver all of these transactions and hash on a satellite network, not even terrestrially. So if you talk about a grid down situation, it won't matter because these satellites, the quantum network is already in the sky that China is going to control. So people are already setting this up as a a B2B and also a peer-to-peer individual to company. I mean, things are going to revolve the same way that they do today, but it's just going to take an entirely different form of payment medium. And when you look at places like the market, islands that have publicly stating, hey, we're putting out our own sovereign coin right now that we're going to use for currency within our country. That is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Marshall Islands coming out right now. Right. You know, actually, you, you touched on that with me on our private conversations, is that you imagine a future where people are buying grain off of docks or off of ships with smart contracts, with, you know, apps, with blockchain, with crypto, and this is all being transacted. Can you touch on that a little bit for us? Like, how do you imagine 2025 and food with crypto? Okay, well, we'll just take a step back in history. When the years got bad with the harvest, especially in Europe, the food prices rose four times. And then they would have three or four bad years of harvest, and then there would be a few good years of harvest and prices would drop. Regardless of that, grain shipments are going to be very valuable. And you saw in the UK or in England at the time, back in the 1600s, every grain delivery was accompanied by army because they were always pillaged. And this is where some of the the Robin Hood stories came from. Whoa, really? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all part of the Grand Solar Minimum called the Maunder Minimum that occurred during the 1600s that had the army with the grain shipments. And this is where the whole tales of stealing from the from the rich to give to the poor came from. Because people couldn't afford food, they were starving to death. So people stole the food and gave it away. It wasn't just gold that they stole. Okay. So we're going to look at armed delivery for the for the grain shipments. It'll be absolutely so valuable. And I envision that each individual harvest for a year in a region will have its own ICO. So the amount of tokens that are out there right now are in just in the multiple thousands. But I envision this in the future going into the millions. Well, they'll be used at a one-time utilization where you will actually get in on the ICO for, let's say, the Kansas wheat harvest of 2020. And you'll be able to pre-buy or get in on the ICO for a portion of how many tons come out of the fields at that time. Now, those tons, you could do like a futures contract and you could on-sell it to somebody else. You could on-sell it to a manufacturer, a corporation, or you could take physical delivery of it. Either way. But I do see when it arrives, if it's a manufactured product, and let's say that wheat goes in to make biscuits or crackers in a box, you're going to still have to get an ICO from a company to be able to, when it hits that port, you'll get the certain amount of tokens allotted with your QR code. You'll rock up to a locker somewhere and you'll swipe your code and that will open and your amount of food will be able to extract that out of there. They're going to try to remove all the human interaction out of this because starving people are very emotion-pulling people. If you have a woman and her two starving children walking up to you and go, please just give us one extra handful of this or please just one extra box of that. My kid, my children are dying. People are going to buckle. I know I would. I really would. I would be, yeah, you're going to see so much, you know, strangeness happening, especially surrounding food, that they're going to remove the human element out of it. And I know it brings us back in a sort of AI-esque-ish future world, but it is really going to go that direction. They will require you to take a QR code linked to the amount of tokens. And you've seen AC Chain over in China do this already. They've bought up Puercha, which is a type of a tea. I'm sure you're familiar with it. If oh, nobody's yeah. familiar with it, it's an aged tea, very high value. Right. So AC Chain, they did their own ICO for like Pu'er lot 12. And that's all it was. The token issuance was just for that lot of Pu'er cha. And it was only a couple tons. And you have the rights to that and it's in a warehouse if you come to get it. And they're holding it like a long-term fine wine. They hope it goes up in price with the Pu'er. They also did the same thing with the rice harvest in China. The ICO was issued just for this type of high-end rice. Then they did it for uh, the Baijiu, which is kind of like a Gaoliang here in Taiwan. The Baijiu was a very high quality, incredibly high price, and they issued their own ICO just for a batch of liquor. And that's all it's good for is just delivery of these bottles of this liquor that you had to pre-buy before they are, they're still letting it age. And then once they bottle it, you'll be entitled to those bottles based on your ICO that you bought in. So they're already doing it in China as a test study. So that's what clued me into seeing, well, the rest of the world's going to adopt this as well. And that's called AC Chain. That's that's crazy. You just blew my yeah, mind with it's that, insane, by the way. insane, actually. Yeah, no, really. It's really, when they're starting to talk about putting an ICO for food in China right now on corn and rice harvests, I mean, we're, you can already see where it's going to head to. You know, sometimes I get people on the show and, you know, most of the time the conversations go where I know they're going to go. You know, I'm like, okay, A, B, C, D, we're done with the conversation. Then sometimes... Somebody says something that makes me go, I have never, ever thought nor heard about that before, and now I'm blown away. And this is it. This is one of those times. ICOs for yeah. in individual items, goods, Kansas Crop Harvest 2020, I can buy that ICO, get the grain, make my money off of selling to, well, damn, I'm starving people. That's what you just said, right? <laughs> no, perhaps you're a baker and you need to get the direct. You don't want to pay the middlemen somewhere along the way because the prices are going to be, you know, middlemen are going to do their thing. What if you want to go directly to the highest quality Ooh. wheat producer okay. and tick in and jump in on their ICO? Because let's say uh, Western Kansas, Cobb County or something, and they want to just get in on that particular part of the harvest, they will definitely target where they want to get their wheat from if it's being a baker. Imagine if you could still supply bread to your community, but you could do it at the highest quality. So again, it comes back to how chefs think, you know? Mm. People want the highest quality ingredients. So if you're talking about chefs, I mean, they can bid in and, and use ICO tokens to go ahead and get some of whatever food product they would bring back to either produce themselves, share, using a restaurant, using a business, something like this. There's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be hungry, but uh, yeah, there's so many solutions around. And that's why I wanna I talk about my channel is, that's the problem. The solutions to solve it are using blockchain and cryptocurrency moving forward and also different ways to grow our food to alleviate the problems we know are going to happen. It's all about the solutions now. And think about your opportunity in this. People can talk about, you know, starvation and economic decline and, you know, whatever it is. Great. 
where's your opportunity in all of this? Right. And that's what I keep trying to bring up again. And how is blockchain going to be your opportunity in this as well? Where's your niche? What service? What what can you offer to make the world better and keep our food production moving forward? Investment's got to come from somewhere. I understand. I understand. Because I was looking at it when you said that originally. I, I was looking at it as the Kansas crop of 2020. The individual or anybody can go and try to buy or predict this crop we start, you know, with an ICO, and then basically we're owning this crop before, say, the big companies come in and buy the the wheat, the majority of the wheat. Say Wonder Bread comes in and buys ninety five percent of it, but then you're you're also saying that the individual can stake their claim for this high quality wheat. Correct. I see something like that, but I believe in the beginning. It, it you remember how last year you were right there when the ICO started, and within you know uh, three minutes it was sold out, and everybody was trying to bid in, bid in, thing, you know. It was, it'll be something like that again, but for the food aspect. So think just back last year when, you know, the ICOs would just sell out so quickly. Nothing like today. It takes much longer for ICOs to sell out than it did last year. Mm -hmm. But think about that when you had to be there right at the exact 7 o'clock starting time to get that in. And, you know, it's gonna, it'll be something like that where everybody will be in the same playing field and they'll have to execute those. Uh, they're going to have to get in, put your address in and hope for the best. Right, right. Is there anything we need to touch on before we go into general questions? That is totally up to you because I've put so much out there. I don't know where that you would like the discussion <laughs> to go or what's on your mind on how you'd like to take it next. I say let's go into general questions. What do you think? Let me add one last point about China before we do that. This might add a little more hot sauce to the conversation here. You got it. All right. Now, AC Chain is also tasked with creating the SDRA, okay. which is a special drawing rights that's coming from the World Bank. A. SDRA. What does that stand for? Do you know? Well, it's SDR, which is a special drawing rights hyphen capital A. Okay. This is a special drawing rights, which is a basket of will be national sovereign cryptocurrencies that China is starting. Now, it's very hush hush and on the DL because out here in Asia, if you know anything about business practices, nobody broadcasts their moves. It's very art of war. Nobody will tell you what they're doing in advance. There's little snippets of it being released in people, especially with AC chain, since they are now doing A, the ICOs for the food products and the liquor and these other batches and lots of uh, consumables. They also have been uh, put in charge of, since they're the leaders in this, the SDRA, which China is going to be overseeing, by the way, through the International Monetary Fund. Conjecture, maybe, but I thought I would throw it out there. But it's pretty well uh, established of what's going on with the SDRA basket over there in China. You know, I haven't, he I have heard about that before, and I think it connects to somebody that I was just talking to the other day. I was talking to somebody from Venezuela who is working with the government, and I couldn't, I can't find this on Google to verify it. But he said that the government made a call out for everybody to download WeChat, start using WeChat because the Petro and their cryptocurrency for Venezuela is going to start being utilized through WeChat, which is going to be their key wallets and key mode of transaction could have something to do with that yeah very well could but then again you you touched on it that's how the the person-to-person -person interaction goes and this is possibly maybe china will take the lead on getting us up to that global utilization above 85 percent, so we could really start to use blockchain transactionally in our day-to-day -day lives besides the distributed ledger technology the dlt like ripple it's just the fortune 500 companies in the banks are settling right now using blockchain bitcoin and others ethereum specifically on larger transactions to settle but think about that. If WeChat is actually the spearhead into getting the peer-to-peer, person-to-person, if you want to call it, usage day-to-day, -day, that'd be real interesting if, how China would be seen in history as breaking that open. Uh, there's a lot of uh, implications to that. They're not just breaking that open. They'll be controlling so many economies if it's just, you know, hub through China. Right. And also, if they're going to control the quantum satellite network, and if you have to pay a fee to utilize their above the sky satellite network with the blockchain broadcasting up there too they totally control that so we're talking about literally taking this technology off planet which is interesting in itself because just the movement of the tech with the ai with all this moving forward and then it does really literally goes off planet into a satellite network broadcasting system versus being terrestrial on our internet and china leading that and controlling that too they've already put up what 32 satellites 33 satellites in this network so far us has even put one up there and here's an interesting thing. We were talking about storage of blockchain and you know where do you store all this because storage is a huge issue on where do you keep everything, literally. What if they were going to use the Wi-Fi network and use your brain to store everything? And we were so far ahead of that. Instead of using satellites, which would be like second or third generation, they were going to, maybe that's why they're unveiling oh, no, the 5G stop. wireless. <laughs> oh, man. Decentralized by everybody's brain. Yeah. There you go. 
There you go. You heard it here first on Crypto 101. Your brain will be running a full node and you won't be able to know it. You won't even know it. You'll be mining your Oh no. <laughs> Give me my brain back. <laughs> that's that's decentralization and you don't even know it. But yeah, really that would be, huh? But in all seriousness, the quantum satellite network is up and running and they're adding more satellites to it every day and that's no joke and they will control that. So if there's a, a power out grid which people talk about, what if there's a CME or what, you know, CME is a coronal mass ejection like just a burst of energy from the sun. It gives us our aurora on the planet. If they're too strong, they can knock down power grids. You know, we've seen that in the 1980s in different places. If that were to happen and there's, there's a grid down terrestrially on our planet, it really wouldn't matter because it would still be broadcasting in the satellite network up there that China would control. You know, a lot of people in the States look at this China as, as this big military might or power, and they are. But one thing they put past China is how planned, strategic, and crafty they are. They're just crafty. If you say that they have satellites up there and they're going to link that to WeChat and they're going to control digital currencies or digital assets globally and they're moving into these different countries to set up the infrastructure and then by 2025 or 2030 they're going to have this whole network of cryptocurrency go running through the china central bank and they're going to control half of the world economy via cryptocurrency and blockchain and they're setting this up now i would say makes sense and then add in the gold back oil exchange and then they're controlling part of the world's energy and money supply as well because it's a gold-backed oil exchange there you go there you go petro un and that makes total sense to me because china they'll, they'll take it slow <laughs> and they'll, they'll set it up they'll take it slow they will not go into invade a country they'll just say we'll build a shit ton of bridges <laughs> we'll start investing in their infrastructure and they'll work for us eventually they'll work for us strange world we're living in things oh, are moving fast too these changes that are coming now, I also talk about uh, the adoption of cryptocurrency and the crop losses as a DNA strand moving together forward at the same pace. So you got to think, if we're going to try to get adoption of cryptocurrency to about above 80% by 2021, the amount of weather disruption also is going to match this. So this is your time frame and your timeline moving forward for how quickly the prices are going to increase because at that point with the economy affected so much as we've always seen in this historical cycles, we need a different way to buy, sell, and trade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just really quirky how crypto is really rising at this time. It could have risen back, what, in 2000, right. 2005? Why did it start now? It could have risen in 2008. Why did it start now? It's just interesting on the timing of it going forward. So just as a blueprint, the faster the DNA of the price rises in the food, and then also the adoption of crypto will match. Right on, right on. All right, time for some general questions. Who do you look up to in the space? The crypto space. Not in space, but the crypto space. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to <laughs> take me off planet again. Stay back on the earth. <laughs> Stay back terrestrial, sir. So since we're running our ICO, we're still in very uh, close contact with some persons at the CME because we are going to be starting out and offering our own t OTC business, but our clearinghouse is back in Chicago, and it's all still connected together there. So these persons are unnamed that are in the CME, but they are very, very versed in what's happening because when they started the futures exchange with the Bitcoin non-deliverables out there and the CBOE as well, the information they have on how they see the timeframes going forward, these who I talk to and listen to because the CEO of our prior ICO that's still setting up the OTC biz, we talk to these people all the time. Also, I when I take a look through Telegram feeds, I look at some of the, the future broadcasters, ITT, and I don't know, there's a couple signal services out there. I like to look at the news feeds, Coindesk, F News. I follow McAfee. How much is out there literally in the Twitter space that you can follow an enormous amount of tweets of people who are considered whales or you know crypto movers, but I'm looking in the news, also the feeds on the social media and the personal contacts as a blend altogether. And then, you know, in Taiwan, this is a huge hub. This is what they call like crypto island. Mm -hmm. There's so many ICO tours coming through here. And since I'm living up here in the, in Taipei, where a lot of those come through, I try to get on those. I'll go to maybe two a month and listen to 10 pitches mm -hmm. and just take a look at who's in the space and what's coming up for payment systems. How are they going to utilize it? But one of my favorites is, uh, I don't know if I can name the names, starts with a W, but they're going to be starting a basket of currency that you can create yourself and then sell that as a contract onto others. I think this is the next step in adoption to get everybody to start using it by sell trade. Right on. So my source is not limited to a single person. And when you ask like a name of one person, I go through multiple sources all the time to try to get my info. Right, right.
I think a lot of people do. I think, but there's sometimes there's that one person that you stop on when you're scrolling through your Twitter feed. If you see that name in your feed, you go, "Oh, they tweeted," and you you read it yeah, all that's the time. Ma- that would have to be McAfee. I what? know a lot of people disagree and they don't like him, and he's very controversial. But a lot of his picks, especially with the anonymity coins, you know, I'm really focused on anonymity coins because, as people realize, there's implications with trading what we do with Ether and with Bitcoin. The whole movement over. And I see this too. If you're going to be buying and selling food when it's incredibly expensive and people are tracking the food, you know, people are going to start wanting to using these anonymity coins, A, for tax purposes, but B, in the future of who has the food. So I really see an uptake in anonymities moving forward. And he seems to be one of the, the lead heads that can really point out where the anonymity space is moving to. That's kind of why I follow him more. So I wanted to explain why. It's not just, hey, I saw this guy on Twitter, but he's very focused in a very niche part of the whole cryptocurrency space that I'm very interested in all, anonymity. Right on, right on. What project do you think will have the most impact in the future? So I, I guess it doesn't have to be one project. It could be maybe a platform. It can be a coin. It can be an idea. What do you think is being developed right now that's going to shape and mold the future of crypto in the blockchain space? Uh, I would start off with Enigma because they're really pushing forward to get what I talk about. And we've just spoken about the smart contract up for the everyday average user to be able to build themselves and transfer peer to peer amongst each other. Mm -hmm. And then when we look at other types of coins, the peer to peer atomic swaps are going to be really huge when we start coming down to daily utilization. Hey, I want to borrow five bucks. Okay, flip. There it is. These things, these a peer coin or any of these peer to peer uh, seamless transactions that you can create baskets especially if you're a small company. You know, you look at Litecoin and what they can offer. You're going to be able to hold a basket reserve of yourself between you and your company, your employees, or people you pay weekly or monthly. You know, if you all agree to start using the same exchange medium, whatever crypto that is, you could build that into a basket where everybody draws on that. So maybe it's not payment out per se every day and in, but funds would be taken out of that to disperse. And while you're waiting for the next pay time, perhaps that could go up in price. That brings me to Wandex as well. Wandex is a new platform that allows you to build through a smart contract your own basket of currency, tradables, if you will. So anonymity coins. I think I would go with Verge, Digibyte, and a handful of others and wrap those all in together. And then when they start to rise in price, instead of me selling one coin and you have to pay the fees and then I'll buy one coin back five or six or ten times, you can put all that into one basket and then just sell it as a one lot going out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So smart contracts and bundling tokens into a smart contract. Right on, right on. I'm really happy that you came on the show because I like to get new ideas out there and food is such an essential part of life. Everybody's taking pictures of their food, putting it on Instagram. That's what you do. You take a selfie with your whatever you buy or some people's whole Instagram or Twitter feed is just their food. It's so important, yet it's something that we never talk about. It's something that we never really acknowledge. So Crypto 101 loves to bring these 101 topics and ideas to get people to start thinking about it. But this could be possibly the first podcast that somebody listens to in the space because that's how we're positioned. What would you want that person to know if this was the first podcast they listened to in the crypto space? First, please understand how to use the tech because in the future moving forward, you're going to be required to use it. And you want to be familiar with it before you're pushed into a corner where you have to learn it in two days and you make mistakes. Secondly, you're going to have to start some growing some of your own food. That is an absolute must. So when we move forward again, the the trading between people, well, what if you grow microgreens and you have an enormous amount of those? You could trade that using crypto as well. But please, please, please start to learn how to use it even at the barest minimum of just basic, I know what a Bitcoin is, I know how to open a wallet, I know what my address is, because you're going to have to use this in the future to buy food. Damn, okay. So that was pretty pretty, pretty direct. <laughs> yeah, learn how to use it. Forget the investment aspect of it. Just learn how to use it because you're going to be required to use it. I mean, we all grew up with the same learning curve. I mean, Imagine when computers came out and not everybody had a computer. And then there were the last adopters like, damn, I don't like these things. They break down. But you were forced to use it. And then you were way behind the curve and making mistakes. And people right. didn't like the computer. It's going to be the same thing. But your life's going to depend on getting that food. And you're, what if you make a mistake and you send like 10 Bitcoin instead of one one hundredth of a Bitcoin? Oops. Well, in 2025, you know? if you send 10 Bitcoin, that might be just a small, a small economy. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a whole country's uh, <laughs> a whole country's GDP economy, here. GDP, exactly. <laughs> Let's not make that mistake. 
Yeah. <laughs> so please learn right now while it's real easy. And there's others that are friendly to teach you. Right on, man. Dave, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101, man. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you uh, giving us 101s. I don't even know if this is 101, man. I think it might be a 201 lesson on all kinds of words that I don't even know that I haven't written down. I'm going I'm to Google these when I get off <laughs> and learn about solar things. And oh, my goodness, man, my head's spinning. Sorry, man. My head's spinning. Yeah. If you do Google those, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. You're going to go down the rabbit hole and I'll see you pop back up. Is I pop back weeks. up with a beard, an afro. <laughs> Dave, what three songs would you want to put in the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist that represent you or the future? Yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier, music and the way music moves mood and how music can motivate. And for me, I really have always been a fan of that Jimmy Cliff song, I Can See Clearly Now, because it's talking about for me, the interpretation in life when there's blocks and obstacles, once you get those out of the way, you know, I can see clearly all obstacles that are in my way that you can get those out of your way. It's all the mind frame of trying to look for solutions in the problem. You know, living out here in Asia, there's always that chong yu, which is the four word phrase in Chinese that always says there's opportunity in the danger. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what that song represents to me is after the clouds clear, everything's bright skies. It's going to be a bright, sunshiny day. And that's what I really feel when I hear that song is about, and there's no obstacles, the obstacles in your mind of what you cannot overcome or find a solution for. And then Go Let It Out by Oasis. That's one of my favorites too. I like Oasis, I like Harder Rock, and I like some, you know, pump and metal, different kind of sounds for the work mode. You know, I range everything from techno into rock and everything else in between, some ambient mellow sounds. Mm -hmm. But it's always about don't let it in. They're talking about the fear in the song. It's like, don't let it in, let it out, but don't let it in. They're talking about the fear. Gotcha. And again, it's the same thing. You can accomplish anything if you're not petrified and scared to try it. The biggest limiting factor in life is the fear. And then my last one would have to be maybe a Coldplay song, Up and Up. Because again, it's always talking about trying to empty out the ocean with a spoon, you know, mm. trying to shoot to the moon, but really you're ending up on the ground. So why not shoot for the stars instead of the moon and go higher and try to continually move your game up and up? Do you play music for your crops? I used to play the sitar, Indian sitar. I still dabble in that, but I do not really focus speakers on them. I know a lot of people who do and get amazing results. I'm always out with them and giving them water and touching the plants because I grow a lot of microgreens and sprouts. I'm doing what I'm telling you I'm doing. I'm telling you, you need to grow food. I rented a place up here in Taipei that has two 25-foot long balconies so I can fill those with food and grow my own stuff on a balcony to practice in a city. I, We're I, all going to need to grow food again. Yeah. I saw that. You showed me. You gave me a little tour. I have to send you some ungrainy, non-moving, you know, with, on a camera, trying to show somebody that's, or on a, you know, on, on a, a video, video call, yeah. it's different than, yeah, having a still photo with the best light and, and all this. I just wanted to verify for the audience. They're like, oh, is he telling the truth? No, no, no. He's telling the truth. He got two 25 foot balconies full of microgreens and food. <laughs> yeah. Moringa and microgreens, just superfoods. You know, your body's going to need to get the nutrition. That was one of the biggest things. You, you had some amaranth as well up there. Yeah, I did. The red amaranth. That's a, that's a powerhouse of nutrition. So your best ammunition moving forward is looking back in a history book to see what happened in the past because we're repeating the same cycle again in just a different time era. Now, things are quite different now. So when they say history repeats, well, some of it's going to repeat. The effects from the sun are going to repeat. But how we react with our new technology and the global communication is going to be quite different to the effect and outcome that they had in the 1600s, 1300s. The collapse of the Tang Dynasty, 800s. We go back to the late antique Little Ice Age, collapse of Japan, and the end of the Roman Empire. It's going to be different this time. We got better tech. Right on, man. Right on. Cool. David, thank you very much for spending some time with Crypto 101, and I appreciate the hour and 10 minutes that you spent with us. Uh, we'll whittle that down after editing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of stuff in there. I don't know what they're going to take out. All right, Matthew, appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, listening to what I have to say. I hope it can help everybody live better lives and get more prepared for just the crypto world in general, but what's coming with the changes in our society. Right on, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I love these kind of conversations because they open up the Pandora's box of different use cases for blockchain technology. When we were talking about ICOs made specifically for specific products, that's amazing. I never even thought of that. So it's, there's a lot of things to look forward to in the future in this space. So keep your eyes open. Keep your F ready for the next ICO and, well, have fun. Before we go, AppogeeCrypto.com 
apogeecrypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices. And if you want some news, cryptonews.com. And if you need a website, ask June at wponthefly.co. And finally, our upcoming episodes are going to be interesting. Aaron Paul and Mark Van Horn of Crypto 101 Media went out to the Ethereal conference. Crypto 101 was the media sponsor for them. And they had all kinds of good content, video and audio to share with you. Chats with Joe Lubin, exclusive interviews with Richard Burton, and much more. So we're going to be releasing those in the next coming week. Also, Danny and I went back to basics. So we're going to have some basic 101 episodes about words and phrases and slang. You know, go back to Crypto 101 roots. We will see you in the upcoming episodes of Crypto 101. Thank you very much for listening. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.